0: Hello, everybody. Welcome into another edition of GC Live. I'm Kendall Smith, joined alongside of Wes Mitchell. Wes, when I was watching that intro, I just have to start off with this. Your picture, your cartoon picture where you have the earbuds, like the old school wired earbuds that you're putting into your ears. First of all, how old were you when that picture was taken? And secondly, who in the heck took a picture of you like you're an athlete, like you're Spencer Rattler walking up at the Talk <laughs> walk with your earbuds in? Because for some reason, I feel like that picture of you is everywhere.
1: Yeah, and I don't know why it's everywhere. That picture is very old. Like, <laughs> I-, I don't know how old I was, but that picture, they did not have the new – it's not even new anymore. The, the the place they practice now, the practice fields right now.
0: Yeah. That's
1: from the old practice fields. The, the Bluff Road Proving Grounds, they called it. Steve Spurrier era. Like, not even the very late Steve Spurrier era. Like, late-ish. So, I, I don't know exactly how old that. But, but Chris Clark is who digitized it or whatever or cartooned it. Um, and I'm guessing... Maybe, oh, you know what? I do know who took that picture. I actually know the answer. I'm pretty sure that it was uh, Dwayne Mclemore mm-hmm. from the state yep. goofing because he would like go off at times when he'd be taking photos and like take pictures of the media people arriving and then send it to them. So, yes, I'm pretty sure that's where that found that was from. But I don't know. I don't really know why it's still floating around. It's a <laughs> old picture. I think Um, we
0: need an updated picture, at least with AirPods. Yes. Because the earbuds with the wires, I mean, those are ancient.
1: Yeah, that's so so, like last night.
0: It's really showing your age.
1: I do have (laughs) AirPods. Kendall. I'm
0: totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. Wes is still young. He's still a spring chicken. He's very young. So all jokes aside, Wes, lots to get into on today's episode of GC Live. We're going to talk. Oh, hopefully y'all can still hear me because, oh, I think I just cut out for a second. Am I back?
1: Yeah, no. You're on, on my right. end. You're still. Yeah, you're still on going. my
0: end. So I'm like, oh, great. Of course. Like when we're live. But anyways, we're gonna get into into some football recruiting talk. We're gonna talk about Austin Stogner officially getting the clear, the go to come to campus. He graduated from Oklahoma last week, so we'll discuss him. We're gonna discuss the Gamecocks versus Gamecocks 2023 matchup, and then of course we're gonna have to sprinkle in a little negativity and talk about baseball as well. So I think uh, we can start maybe by talking about that. Wes, kind of get it out of the way
1: we're going you, baseball first oh, I, wow. I think
0: we should i think we should just like a quick little baseball overview get it done it's always like do you want the good news or the bad news first and i always say bad news because i'd rather end on a good note
1: yeah okay well let let's hit some really good news first and then go straight to the bad news first of all we gotta tell everybody about our buddy clint hammond ClintHammond.com, the uh, supporting sponsor of this show 803-771-6933 NMLS number 71597. There you see Clint's smiling face on the screen. You can email him. That is the letter C, Hammond, at mortgagenetwork.com. Again, if you're in the market for a new home, call Clint. He will help you through what is sometimes a scary, daunting process and help make it easy. Clint, a good buddy of mine and obviously a big supporter of Gamecock Athletics and of GC Live. So, yes, Kendall, baseball. Seems like every time we talk about baseball on the show, it's about bad things. And, but that's just sort of where it is right now, right? I mean, uh, you know, Kyle, I feel like Colin, who does an excellent job covering the day to day of baseball on Gamecock Central, um, oh God, he's seen he's seen some he's seen some ugly moments this year on the baseball field. I feel like, and Kendall, Colin has consistently put out these articles every week where it's like, um, here's the path, right? Like, here's what mm-hmm. South Carolina has to do to make the yep. NCAA tournament. And I think 15 and 15 in the SEC has sort of been like the the target, like what has to happen for South Carolina to get to that point. And, you know, one of the things that also Colin has mentioned is, hey, don't drop any more midweek games. Like the, yeah. the margin for error has been like demolished. Like you can't have that happen again. And then lo and behold, what happens this week? They lose the USC upstate.
0: Yes, they lose to USC Upstate. That happened on Tuesday. The final score was 9-6. to So not a good look if you're South Carolina, but not exactly surprising to see them lose a midweek game like that. As we've seen earlier in the year, they've dropped midweek games to Xavier, to the Citadel, to several mid-major schools, and that's just not acceptable. You can win the series against, you know, Texas and you can win the series against Ole Miss and Alabama whatever you want to say about that that's great but then if three days later two days later you're turning around and you're losing to a mid-major school at home during the week that's just not going to cut it and I realize that South Carolina has dealt with some injuries this year it hasn't been an easy path necessarily for them but at the same time you have to look at it and we talked about this last show baseball is that sport for South Carolina that's always been pretty consistent. And I have followed the fan base for a while, even before I got to college. And then now I've been in college at South Carolina for three years. And I've always seen people pretty excited about baseball, even if it wasn't like a college world series type season, they've always been pretty excited about it. And it seems like this year, I mean, even I'm seeing the comments, people are like, we just want this to be over. Like this is terrible we are not enjoying the season it's awful and I think when you talk about that and then you talk about Mark Kingston you're like okay you know how much longer does Kingston have what does he need to do this year is there anything he can do to salvage it at this point is he going to get off the hook because there have been several injuries this year Julian Bosnick being one of those major injuries he obviously hasn't played all season and he was supposed to be one of the starting pitchers in the weekend rotation for South Carolina so I think you start to really look at this point in the season and you're like, what's the next move with Mark Kingston? And I know a lot of people unhappy with that right now. And, you know, it's one thing when you're South Carolina basketball, you don't necessarily expect. Oh, thank you, Danielle. Hello. How are you? It's good to see you on the show. Um, but yeah, you don't necessarily expect basketball to be like super crazy competitive and and make a Sweet 16 or an Elite 8 every year. But for baseball, you're expecting regional, super regionals, and College World Series. And you just haven't really gotten that with Mark Kingston. So
1: yeah, and you know, Kendall, I think you look and for, for a long, long time under Ray Tanner, the years that people were complaining about, like the quote unquote down years, was we're, we're still at a completely different, much higher level than what is right now considered a, a down year. And, you know, I, I think, like, I can remember people complaining when, you know, because South Carolina was not hosting a regional. And, you know, you look at this year, South Carolina not even close to, they're not even in the conversation to host a regional. They're hoping to somehow walk this very, very extremely narrow path in order to even get into the tournament. It used to be like when I'll go back when I was growing up in when I was in high school, playing high school ball, coming to games at South Carolina, watching the baseball program under Ray Tanner. It was a foregone conclusion that you were going to the tournament every single year. Like I want to say, and I should know this. I think it was 15 straight years in the tournament, I think that was under Ray Tanner, and then I think it extended two more under Chad Holbrook. So you're talking about closing in on almost two decades where you may, you know, some sometimes you might have been a top seed, sometimes you might be a national seed, sometimes you might be a regional seed, sometimes you might be a two seed and you have to travel. But you're you're at the tournament. And as we all know in sports, if you make the tournament, you always are going to have a chance to possibly make a run at it, right? Like that's the that's sort of the goal is to be playing at the end of the year and and be in a position, right? Well, we've seen just this inconsistency from the program. You know, you look you look even since Holbrook took over, they sort of continued some of that momentum. Then they uh, they dropped down, had a really bad season, missed the tournament for the first time in forever. Then they bounced back. Had a good year, and then, um, you know, then they're out of the tournament again, and then he's done, and then you're you're starting over again. Well, it's almost like the the standard right now is different than what all of us were used to seeing for upwards of twenty plus years. So, you know, that's tough to swallow. I feel like for South Carolina fans, and you know, I, I think for a lot of Gamecock fans, it's just not good enough. Now, if, if you want to kind of have a nuanced conversation. Which I know sports fans aren't always here for the nuance conversation. It's more just like this ain't good enough. Let's get rid of this guy. The SEC is also much more difficult now than it ever was when South Carolina was making that run. When South Carolina was making that run, they were one of the top three or four programs consistently in the SEC. Maybe one of the top like two programs in the SEC. Maybe I don't know with LSU. Like you know, South Carolina was it. Like you, there there was no one on that even close to that level for the most part. Now, every SEC program has a pretty new stadium for the most part in the last 10 years. Um, They have great fan support at their places as well. They put money into into baseball. They put money into hiring great baseball coaches. So you don't have as many built-in advantages as you used to have at at South Carolina. So I, I do think it does get more difficult, but... I don't know necessarily that this fan base cares about that. And um, and that's their right, Kendall. Like I I get it because if you're if you're at this place, you, you don't want to get swept by Clemson. You don't want to be losing a bunch of midweek games and you expect to compete in the SEC.
0: No, absolutely. I agree 100%. And I think you are right. Like the SEC has gotten harder but we don't necessarily make those same excuses for football coaches all the time either so it's just interesting because you know sec is the in my opinion i mean i think and everybody would agree with this the strongest conference when it comes to football you don't make those arguments really for football coaches it's like you get in there and you do it they don't make those arguments for alabama when it comes to football if they aren't competing if they're not at the level they're expected to be at nobody's going to be happy and so I think that's where that kind of comes from I also think it started last year right so South Carolina they did make a regional and they ended up not advancing and when you have a team with Wes Clark and Brady Allen and just all the talent that you had last year especially offensively and you make a regional but you're not even the number one seed in that regional It's at home, though, and you end up losing to Old Dominion. and It's just a whole thing. I think that really started the frustration, and that happened last year because making a regional with that team, to be honest, if you looked at that team at the start of the season and saw what they were doing, that was underachieving, I think, in a lot of people's opinion. And then it just trickled into this year. So they have Kentucky this weekend at home. uh, The season is winding down, and uh, as you mentioned, the path is getting just – narrower and narrower for South Carolina to make the postseason. I think they would honestly pretty much have to win out at this point if they wanted to make it. Maybe there's room for one loss in there. But as Colin mentioned, they're really going to have to get it together.
1: Yeah, I think there's probably room for one loss, but anything other than that, you're probably out. Because, you know, if you you go 15-15, and in SEC play, you almost always in mod, like the in the last five years, you make the tournament even if you have all these blemishes on your record in the midweek. So, you know, I, I think I think fifteen and fifteen is basically sweeping Kentucky and two out of three to Florida, I believe is is what it would be. So, you know, that, that's one loss in there, but basically, I mean, you got you got to hope to sweep um, one of these series and Kentucky. Statistically, or, or as far as the their record, is not a great SEC uh-huh. team. But you're talking about a team that beat Tennessee two out of three, and Tennessee's arguably the best team in mm-hmm. the country. So, every, everybody in this conference has talent. Everybody plays well. You know, everybody can beat you, especially in baseball. So it's just the margin gets smaller and smaller and smaller. But Kendall, we said we weren't going to go on and on about baseball. We're not going to harp
0: on it. We're not going to harp on baseball. We set our piece on baseball. We'll see how it goes this weekend against Kentucky. That first game scheduled for Friday. But Wes, I think it's time we get into some football conversation because that makes a lot of people happy, especially around this time of the year. There's a lot of hope surrounding the program, a lot of excitement, especially in terms of recruitment. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. But before we get into all that, I think we need to talk about a few pieces of news with the football program. So the first one being that Austin Stogner is officially a graduate from the University of Oklahoma. He is good to go and he will be in Columbia here shortly because June is kind of when things start to ramp up in terms of summer workouts for Gamecock football. So he'll be there for that, which I know a lot of fans are very excited about, especially considering that he wasn't able to be here this spring since he was still enrolled at Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, so that was obviously expected news, but good news nonetheless. Uh really classy statement put out by uh, Stogner on, on Twitter and social media this week. Um, you know, basically saying, um, you know, I'll always be a sooner. Um, I'm a graduate now. Like it's um, you know, it's a part of me. It's it's been a, a journey, 21 hours of classes this semester to get it done. And um, but now saying, hey, I, I cannot wait for this next step, this next chapter in my life in Columbia, South Carolina. So he's pumped. Obviously excited to get back with his former, also now about to be, again, current teammate in Spencer Rattler at South Carolina, and we will be able to go through um, all the uh, the summer workouts starting in June, July, and then, of course, preseason ball will start the beginning of August. And obviously, this guy's a big part. He's going to be a big part of what South Carolina wants to do on offense. Kendall, um, I think we'll just – you look at all – that we keep talking about all these transfers, but – You know, this is a guy that's going to be a a big part of their their game plan. I think he's an NFL talent who probably potentially would already be in the NFL, if not for some injuries along the way. And, um, you know, I actually talked to somebody close to Stog and they said, look, he's been taking classes, but he's also been working out like two and three hours a day Mm -hmm. and um, genuinely feels like he's going to arrive at South Carolina in the best shape of his life. Like this has been a, this is contract season, right? Like this is come in, it's time to do it. And um, he's excited to get here, but he's been, it it has, he hasn't just been sitting around um, doing online classes and not paying attention to football. He's been working out with a personal trainer. He's been working out with um, and on the field, like a receivers coach as well. And uh, really is, is in a position I I think to come in and, and make a big impact. So, yeah, he's one of those players
0: that I'm super excited about this year. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that we didn't see him here during the spring, right? Like, you didn't see him at the spring game. So, when August, September rolls around and we're ready for football season, he's going to come out there during that first game of the year. And it's going to be one of those things where you're like, of course, I'm excited to see Spencer Rattler and all these other transfers and some of the guys who probably progressed over this past year who were already on the team. But Austin Stogner is one of those names, one of those. Those guys, when it rolls around to that first week of the season, I'm going to be dialed in on what he's doing because he is such a talent. He really did kind of start the trend, I think, for South Carolina in a lot of ways when it came to their success in the transfer portal. This season, And even Spencer Rattler has talked about it. He didn't even visit South Carolina. He just took Austin Stogner and his dad for their word and was like, oh, yeah, okay, y'all say it's cool. I'll come to South Carolina. So we can thank Austin Stogner for a lot of that. And he is definitely going to be someone to watch and someone that I think a lot of people will be very excited for come that first game because we haven't really seen him at all here at South Carolina. So I'm definitely looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, and I think from a skill set standpoint, he's going to be a guy, Kendall, that is big enough to to be that blocker. Um, probably is a little bit like Nick Muse um, mm-hmm. as far as what he's able to do, but also I think he's going to be a really good pass catcher. Stretches the field kind of down the seam a little bit. Just adds one more option for this offense, which obviously with the way the offense looked last year, you know, was needed. Frankly, so I think. Uh, It's going to be fun. It's going to be good, and I don't think you're alone. I think there's going to be a lot of people excited to see Stogner make it into town, and and he did. He, you know, he and his dad set set the table, so that that is worth mentioning. Do you think you could go to a school without stepping foot in that state before? Like I, I think we asked Spencer. I don't know that he'd ever even. Literally stepped foot in the Palmetto State when he committed to South Carolina. Could could you do that? Like, how? I feel like you have to have you'd have to have a pretty good comfort level. Yeah, you know. I mean, with Beamer,
0: yeah, to, and, and I think he it. had that. I think it depends on the situation. So if Beamer can make you feel really at home and then you have a really good friend who's been there and it's South Carolina and it's not like South Carolina is a terrible state. You think about the beaches and, you know, there's a lot of upside to the state of South Carolina when it just comes to things to do. It's very close to Charlotte. So I would also consider those things. I don't know if, you know, Spencer Rattler was thinking about that. But if you would say, and this is, you know, no offense to a state like, you know, idaho or north dakota but if you were like oh you're going to idaho you've never been there before good luck i don't know if i'd be able to do that without seeing it but maybe a state like south carolina where you're like okay it's nice it's warm there's beaches stagner says it's great beamer's an awesome guy this program has a ton of upside and they obviously capitalized off of it this past year i think maybe i could do it um so, yeah, I I do think that's very interesting, though, that Spencer Rattler never came, but he seems to love it so far. And he said one of his favorite restaurants in the area is Hall's Chop House. So,
1: well, I mean, right, rightfully, right, rightfully so.
0: so, like he's already found the right places in Columbia. So
1: I, I, I was very curious to see which states you're about to throw under the bus there when you well, said I, mean, uh, <laughs> I
0: feel so like I'm sure that there's nothing wrong with those states like at all. I'm sure they have really nice people. But I don't think about those states and think, oh, yeah, there's like all these attractions. Like, I know people think about South Carolina. They think about Charleston, Myrtle Beach. Like, there's other things to do here that are known more on a national scene. And, yes, South Carolina does have great food. Nathan is right, especially in the low country, like your shrimp and grits, cornbread, cornbread. Southern green beans, mac and cheese. I could go on and on, but I I think we need to switch topics, Wes, and I think we need to talk about this Gamecocks versus Gamecocks game that was announced. It is officially slated for 2023, so this is very exciting. The game is going to happen on November 4th, 2023, and the only two schools in the country with the mascot of a Gamecock will be facing off against each other. I mean, how do you think this this happened? Like, South Carolina was just like, "Oh yeah, peace out, Liberty." Like, you're no longer on the schedule. We're gonna do a Gamecocks versus Gamecocks matchup against Jacksonville State.
1: Well, you know, I I think it, so. Is, is Liberty not changing conferences or something like that? I don't I don't keep up with the other conferences, like the non Power Fives, to be honest. Apparently, neither do you. So, I mean, uh, I do
0: some. Like my brother the, isn't there a conf- there was a reason
1: for this so I don't it wasn't just like get the like get out of here Liberty there was a reason that the spot opened up I'm pretty sure I may be making that up I don't know Kendall but the I feel like this is a natural matchup like why why wouldn't why wouldn't you do Gamecocks versus Game this should have happened a long time ago not not that it's a marquee matchup no one no one no, cares. Like-
0: I mean, if we were playing Liberty, you're like, okay, yes, thank you, Will. Moving the Conference USA. So, if South Carolina were playing Liberty, I think it's just one of those things where it's like, hmm, they're playing Liberty. Like,
1: that's, Hugh, that's Hugh Freeze. Like, that's yeah. – there's some, there's some excitement to that. Yes. I feel like. But well. also, that's, that's a game – I don't know if you want any part of that game. Yeah,
0: exactly. I I
1: think you're kind of happy to get rid of it. You're like, good.
0: you're like, okay. Like, yeah, we don't have to do that. Uh, But if you are playing the Gamecocks, I think in terms of like merchandising and like selling things, this could be a great, great thing for both schools because they've like had a bunch of shirts go out before. I know like all the time when South Carolina plays Georgia or Alabama, they'll have puns, they'll have shirts that go out that all the students want to get and they wear them to the games. I think this one could be really, really cool. So I think in terms of that aspect, it's like if you're going to play like a mid-major school, non-Power 5 school, you might as well make it a team where you could at least like make some extra cash off of it just in terms of the initial name of both teams and like the matchup between those two.
1: Yeah, I agree. Maybe, maybe we should create our own shirts, but, um, oh, yeah, I, I, I do. I mean, it, it adds a little extra to an otherwise out of conference, non power five, like non Clemson, mm-hmm. North Carolina, you know, NC State. The, you know, when you play those teams, there's a little bit of extra excitement. More than likely the game in that slot wasn't gonna have much juice, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. South Carolina will win the game. South Carolina should win the game. But it does, it just gives it a little extra reason. You better, you. You better knock Kendall. on wood. Kendall, we're talking about <laughs> we're, we're talking Listen. about expectations and building something. Like you can't sit here and be like, South Carolina should hope to beat Jacksonville, Jacksonville State. You never you know. should beat jack they
0: absolutely should they absolutely they will beat Jacksonville you just said will they they yeah. will
1: yes they will
0: all right well i hope so but you just never know until it's over you can pull this you know. video
1: in two and a half or a year and a half and say i was wrong if i uh if i wasn't <laughs> if that was wrong
0: Well, Wes, I think that leads us into our next topic talking about South Carolina building a program. And a lot of that starts with recruiting. And that has been something that we've talked about a lot. We had a show. The recruiting rundown come out yesterday on GamecockCentral.com. So if you want like a shortened version to stay up to date on what's going on in the world of Gamecock football recruiting, head over to GamecockCentral.com. Check that out. It's about 10 minutes. But we will kind of get into some more specific names here today on GC Live and some players who have narrowed down their list because we are in that time of the year where a lot of players in the class of 2023 are going to be narrowing down their list to maybe five or four schools. And one of those players who recently did was Devin Hyatt. He is a four-star wide receiver from IMG Academy in the class of 2023, but he's actually from Irmo, right?
1: Yes, he is. He um, He's from Irmo, was that Dutch Fork
0: mm-hmm. early
1: on in his, um, in his high school career and uh, transferred to IMG before before last season so he's been an IMG for for a full season now and uh you know four-star guy South Carolina you know it seemed Kendall like this may have just been my perception but it it seemed like he and South Carolina weren't um there there just wasn't a lot there Mm -hmm. I think right after he transferred to IMG and it seemed it just feels like in the last few months um it's kind of gotten rekindled a little bit there. Like he he was on campus in in March, and uh, that was first spring practice. He came in. Uh, it was actually one of the days that that was a little bit open to the media, so I saw him come in. His mom was with him. Justin Step went like sprinting over there, and you know, excited to see him. Like there's obvious, you know, it was obvious that they're they're after the kid pretty hard, and then uh, you know, basically it seemed to kind of rekindle maybe that idea of getting back home. You know, some sometimes, you know, I think when, when guys leave the state for for to play high school ball somewhere else, people are like, well, that kid's not coming here. Like you look at look at Xavier Thomas a couple of years ago. He goes to IMG, you know, ends up going to Clemson. But um, you know, I, I think for some guys, they get away from home and they're like, well, I do kind of it it shows them I miss home. A little bit. Like, I, I want to be back near my family. And so I, I think with Devin Hyatt, there's a sense of, okay, South is not getting that guy. And yeah. then, you know, his brother's at Tennessee. And so you're like, well, may, you know, maybe he wants to follow in his brother's footsteps. But sometimes, and I they think can. this might actually be the case here. That's my impression, Kendall. Sometimes guys are like, I don't want to do what my brother did. I want to... Sort of take my own path. Yeah. So there's actually some buzz right now that um, it could be Alabama and South Carolina. So that, that, that might be the two. That's just the buzz. We know Let's it can change see. quickly. But, um, Devin is, uh, is going to take an official to South Carolina this summer. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I, I think the visit this spring went really, really well as far as kind of, uh, reconnecting the two. South Carolina was actually at IMG this week. Um, Satterfield and Step were there, I think, was this, Thursday? I think that was Wednesday that they were at IMG. So they they were down there visiting, checking in on him, checking in on Jaden Bradford, the quarterback, who also is a South Carolina native that is now at IMG. It's class 2024 kid, four-star quarterback. So uh, the, the Gamecocks are, are recruiting them just as if they were still here in the Palmetto State.
0: And it's really interesting because Hyatt has that scheduled visit for the summer, and he was actually speaking with Chad Simmons from the On3 Network, and this article was published yesterday. And he said he wants to commit as soon as he can, and he said it will definitely be happening before this season. So those four schools that he has narrowed it down to are Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina and Tennessee. And we did talk about this on the recruiting rundown, but it is huge for South Carolina to be in these top four, top five schools for a lot of these highly rated class of 2023, 2024 players right alongside of Alabama and Georgia and Tennessee and a lot of these SEC schools that are consistently in New Year's Six Bowls and college football playoffs and highly ranked teams in South Carolina, at least I've noticed during this cycle of recruiting has really been right up there with a lot of those schools and of course it's not just about getting in the top four in the top five it's about winning those battles as well but this is a step in the right direction for South Carolina and Devin Hyatt not the only player who has put South Carolina right there with schools like Alabama and Georgia in their top four or five
1: yeah and you got you got to be you, you got to have a place at the table you know you have to be in the conversation before you can start winning those battles so I, I think that's a that that's a a real step right now you, you want to start closing some of these battles too and some of them you're not that's just the you you don't here's the thing I, I think sometimes fans obviously get a little upset if you lose out on a guy right here's the thing if it's easy like if nobody is putting up a fight for a prospect that's a terrible sign like you need you need You need to be going after people that other people, other schools won't as well. Like you, there needs to be a battle. There needs to be a fight. And if you've got these other SEC schools, it's a decidedly SEC battle here, right? Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, and South Carolina, obviously. So it's SEC all the way. That's a good sign. This would be, this would be a good perception win for South Carolina. I feel like too four star Mm -hmm. guy, leaves the state goes the goes to IMG the Gamecocks haven't really landed guys from IMG all of a sudden you have a wide receiver there that's from your state you have a quarterback there that's from your state um South Carolina actually offered a 2025 uh, I believe wide receiver from IMG while they were in town visiting so this could actually be the start of uh maybe having a little more success at, at that place and IMG will always have players like that's that's a given
0: Right. And there are a couple other players that I think we need to talk about on today's show, one of those being Jalen Kilgore. So he is a safety. He has his official visit set to South Carolina, I believe June 10th Mm -hmm. through the 12th. And he is another one of those guys that I think South Carolina has really zeroed in on as well. So just talk about what you know about him, uh, his interest level with South Carolina and kind of where you expect this process to go with him.
1: Yeah, I think the schools to watch right now for Jalen are obviously South Carolina. I think Oklahoma is in it, and I think Florida is in it as well. Um, Chris Clark has already put in his prediction for the Gamecocks with Kilgore. They they got in on him early, and that, that's really paid off. You know, this is a, this is a guy. If you probably looked at the first offer, you looked at South Carolina. You looked at all right. Who, you know, who is this guy? He probably he didn't really have much interest, many offers or any offers when South Carolina first got involved, but we've seen his recruitment sort of take off in the days and months since then. So now you're talking about Florida being involved, Oklahoma being involved. Right now the plan is an official to South Carolina, an official to Oklahoma. I'd imagine Florida could probably get in there with an official too. But again, that's that's two programs you're fighting that are, you know, way up there as far as perception goes. And, you know, he's a, a four star kid number 32 safety in the country 6 foot 1 190 from georgia and a, a guy that that obviously south carolina really likes and got in on early like i said so um you know I, I think most of these guys a lot of fans who maybe follow recruiting more casually there's so many names out there it's hard to keep up with they want to know who are the dudes i who are the names that i need to remember mm-hmm. i i mean I think a lot of people around here already knew Devin Hyatt because of him being a local guy. But I think Jalen Kilgore, uh, another one that that fans probably need to get familiar with and know, because I think there's a pretty decent chance that he ends up in South Carolina's class.
0: So there's another player in Chris Peel, and this is actually big day journalism right here that Wes was doing that I want you to talk about because he hasn't really announced this, but in a recent interview, he was talking about the fact that he kind of has it narrowed down maybe to a couple schools. So Chris, he is actually from my neck of the woods. He attends Providence Day High School, which is in Charlotte, North Carolina. And he's also a class of 2023 defensive back. So Wes, what do you know about him and where the Gamecocks might stand in that recruiting battle?
1: Yeah, Chris Pill, another name I, I think fans need to know because he has not really done a bunch of interviews. Uh, Chad Simmons, a good friend of mine who works for On3, does a fantastic job, caught up with Chris this week. And basically right now he is focused on South Carolina and Georgia. That's kind of the kind of the top two schools right there. It doesn't mean other schools aren't involved or can't be involved, but those are the two that sort of have his attention at this point. And, uh, you know, that that kind of tracks because South Carolina has – really targeted him as one of their top cornerback targets, if not their absolute top cornerback target. Obviously, a somewhat local guy being right over the border in the Charlotte area and a four-star prospect, big-time player, um, has great measurables. This is a very athletic kid, and Torian Gray has just focused in on him. And I I think, um, you know, right now – No dates for official visits, but he does plan to take an official to South Carolina. I believe plans to take an official to Georgia as well. And um, got got a a little SEC East battle brewing there. Let's see. uh, Who else did he say? Auburn, Michigan, UNC, and NC State are the other schools that are sort of somewhat involved as well. And he says – quote, I will probably commit around late December or sometime in October. So once again, we've seen this trend. We talked about it on our recruiting rundown. Take your official visits in the summer, digest what you saw, and then make a decision Mm -hmm. August, September, October, somewhere in that range.
0: And Chris is just one example, but I think – what we maybe noticed a little bit more this year is the fact that South Carolina is really competitive with a lot of these local guys. And that's not to say like in the past, they haven't gotten guys from South Carolina and North Carolina. They have like, we remember when Will Champ got Jordan Birch, it was like this big, big deal. And it was a huge thing. And you really want to be excited for stuff like that because they obviously put in a ton of time, a ton of effort into getting him to commit. But I think what I've noticed even more so now is even though like Jaden Bradford and Devin Hyatt are at IMG in Florida, I would still consider them in a sense like local guys because they're from Irmo. So they grew up literally 20 minutes from the University of South Carolina. They've been kind of around the culture. They've seen the city of Columbia, the campus, the whole Gamecock feel. And then you have, you know, guys in Charlotte and guys in other places in South Carolina, North Carolina. And I think it's huge for South Carolina to be right in the hunt winning these recruiting battles with local guys because there is so much talent around the Carolinas. And I feel like that's just something I've started to see an uptick of, especially in recruitment recently. I don't know. You can agree or disagree, Wes, because I know that you're a lot more, um, you're a lot more in the details, I would say, than I am with the recruiting. But it's something that I have just noticed from my perspective. It seems like there has been more of an emphasis. On those, on those players, and then there's been more interest in turn.
1: Yeah, and I, I think um you know specifically talking about North Carolina, you know where Pill is from, the, the Gamecocks are going to have to have success recruiting the state of North Carolina, and I, I think that's a priority for them. I think UNC had so much momentum before last season that it seemed like they were getting the top guys, and they still are, I believe, to an extent, but. Their season sort of going off the rails last year, and now um, you know, you lose Sam Howell to the NFL. Like you have a little, like you were sort of building, you were kind of just riding that momentum for a little while. Everybody thought, or a lot of people thought, last year was the year UNC was going to take another step forward. I think they were preseason top 10. Mm-hmm. Just did not happen. So I think if you're South Carolina, ride the wave of this momentum of beating them in a bowl game, ride your own momentum. Start to get players out of that state because I think they've done a good job in South Carolina, but right now I don't, you know, I don't think there's enough talent to just live off of this state. So you got to, as you said, you got to stay on the guys that have left the state, like uh, like Jaden, like Devin Hyatt, and then uh, you've got to branch out. You've got to get into North Carolina as well because there is a lot of talent in North Carolina. And as you know, I mean, you make the drive all the time right now with your night's job getting from Charlotte to Columbia is a very simple drive. Mm-hmm. Like if you're especially comparatively to if you're an out of state guy going to an, I mean, first sh- Charlotte to Columbia is actually an easier trip than some guys that are at different parts of in-state yeah. territories, in my opinion, like Charlotte and the greater Charlotte area, in my opinion, is like a, it's basically an in-state territory for South mm-hmm. Carolina. So, you know, you hop on 77, you go, and you're here. Whereas if you're in rural South Carolina, there are some areas that it's tougher to get to Columbia than it is from Charlotte. So I I think uh, getting, getting Chris Peel would be huge just because he's a great player and he's a four-star, almost national-level recruit. But also it would signify some other things going on there and that you're getting a top um, – North Carolina guy and kind of interesting, UNC it doesn't appear as like a massive yeah. factor here. I I swear it felt like for a couple of years there, all these top North Carolina guys were heavily considering and a lot of times heavily leaning to UNC.
0: And I think that all kind of started with Sam Howell, and I've talked about it a lot before, and I am a little bit biased because I am from Charlotte, North Carolina. I went to Weddington High School, and they have a very strong, rich football program with a lot of talent. So I've seen it, especially in the Charlotte area, the South Charlotte area, and then, of course, like Mecklenburg County, you've got schools like Butler, Mallard Creek several guys on South Carolina's football team right now are products of Charlotte. Um, You know, one being Eric Douglas, he, he's from the greater Charlotte area and, you know, my class specifically, and then the classes that were a couple of years around me had so much talent. When you talk about Sam Howell, he's one of those names that comes to mind. Another name is Ikemi Kwanu, who was the sixth overall pick in this year's NFL draft selected by the Carolina Panthers. I mean, this Guy, and I know that this will happen. Like sometimes players will fly under the radar a little bit, but he wasn't getting like these massive, crazy offers from a ton of SEC schools. He went to NC State, and that was like, you know, one of his higher bigger program offers. And then he turns around and he ends up being a top 10 pick in the 2022 NFL draft. So there is a lot of talent specifically as much as I know in the Charlotte area. I know that it extends beyond in the state of North Carolina. Of course, when you're talking about like Raleigh and in the Greensboro area, there's a lot more up there as well. Uh, But I just even saw it during my time. We have two players this year, just from my small little County that were drafted into the NFL. So I think North Carolina is one of those things that South Carolina is going to have to get better at recruiting, and I think it really can start with Chris Peel, like you said.
1: Yeah, and, and they're trying. I mean, it's certainly a priority. We're going to see what happens this summer. But, I, uh, I again, I would encourage people, Kendall, um, and this isn't even like a subscriber pitch either, just go on Gamecock Central and hit the little football visits drop down If you want an idea, like who are the names I need to know, follow the visits. Like if if a guy is taking an official visit to the school and this is a free resource, like it's on there, you don't have to be a subscriber to read it. Um, Those are the names to know. If if they're taking an official, then they are interested in your school. Kids Mm -hmm. don't like to give necessarily their top schools, you know, until certain points in the process. But you can kind of figure that out just by looking. Who are they visiting? More importantly, who are they officially visiting? If you're getting a visit, you got a shot.
0: Exactly. And with that being said, I think we can kind of round out the conversation. We've talked about it a few times over the last week or so, but South Carolina getting their first commitment in the class of 2023 with Zabari Sandy over the weekend he committed on Mother's Day so just getting that class started getting things going and we talked about it on the recruiting rundown as well but kind of how that will set things up for South Carolina over the summer as official visits happen and then as the season approaches for more players to continue to commit so I know that there are a couple of other welcome home tweets out there that haven't been announced. But Wes, when do you really think we'll start to see that uptick in 2023 players committing to South Carolina?
1: Yeah, you know, like you said, we, uh, we've we talked about him, but I, we haven't talked specifically to our GC Live fam about the Zabari commitment. So, um, you know, again, you start talking about territories and areas and, and sort of breaking into areas, uh, getting a kid that's a Maryland native, who plays his ball in D.C., I think very important for South Carolina. They're continuing to try to make inroads. Virginia, Maryland, D.C., Pennsylvania, Delaware, um, You know, New York, New Jersey, those areas, uh, Pete Limbo's done a great job for South Carolina up there. The connections South Carolina has in Virginia, the Beamer name, Torian Gray having a decade at Virginia Tech, building relationships there. Those are important areas for South Carolina, so good for them to get Sandy and get him locked in and go ahead and just sort of start the public momentum. I, I think we've talked about this. they have built some some sort of private momentum, but some people especially if you only follow it casually, they just want to see you know where where are the commitments at. Mm-hmm. So they get that started. I would think maybe in the next, I would say certainly in the next month or so, I believe uh, a good chance that another one of the silence will be, Um, premiered, will be public. I'm I'm still not sure on the other. And then I I really think in the next month or so, maybe next month and a half, once you start rolling into June, that's when you're going to see a run of commitments. I I truly believe that you don't know exactly which ones they will be. Some of the guys will probably, I think that's when you'll see maybe, maybe there's another welcome home, but maybe the guy, maybe he doesn't reveal it to July or August. But Mm -hmm. I, I imagine, what are we, we're May 12th right now. In the next, yep. um, let's see, the next two months, I really think uh, next two to three months, you're going to have a great idea of what this class is going to look like because we've just seen that happen. We've seen the trend. Every year, people are like, where are the commitments? What's happening? Why is, the, why is the number low? Why is the quantity low? And then by the end of the summer, you're you're sitting there counting, wait, how many spots is South gonna have left? Um, yeah. And, and, you know, you're, you you have the bulk of the class um, committed by that point. I think that will be the case again.
0: Well, it's definitely going to be interesting. I know this is going to be a busy summer. Even though there aren't any games happening, it will be a busy summer in terms of recruiting, practice, getting players on campus, getting prepped for the start of the football season, which will be here before we know it. And I was thinking about it earlier today. I'm like, I am so excited about football season. Like I genuinely cannot wait. I mean, of course I love baseball season. I'm right in the middle of baseball season right now working for the White Sox organization and the Charlotte Knights, but I'm really excited about some football. And I actually met with Colin Taylor the other day and we were talking about all of our big plans at GC for football this fall. So I think we're going to take what we did last year and probably multiply that by 10. And we're going to have some really exciting stuff in the works.
1: Yeah, it's going to be fun. And I'll say this, I'll, I'll give people the prediction right now, Kendall. Um, the week of July fourth, South Carolina. I'm just going to say it right now. They're going to land at least four commitments. Do you know? Do you know why? Because that's uh, when I'm taking my vacation. So I, was
0: like, that, I don't know why. Like I know that's on Beamer's birthday or anything. No,
1: the the uh, that's my vacation week, which guarantees if. If I'm on vacation or Chris is on vacation, the other one is going to get hammered with news, basically. So, where are you going
0: on vacation?
1: I don't know. I just know I'm taking that week. I'm just taking that week. I'm going off the grid, cutting my phone off. Don't call me. Don't text me. Don't tweet me. Don't snap me. Don't like I'm that's when I'm that's my off the grid before the season starts vacation, which means basically all hell will break loose.
0: I mean, you know, Murphy's Law. That's how it would go. I will be around on the 4th of July week because it's baseball season, and that is, like, one of the prime weeks for baseball. So it's going to be interesting. Also, GC Live fam, don't hate me, but I'm actually going to be at the ACC tournament, not next week, but the week after for baseball, working. So I feel a little bit bad because I'm like, oh, like I'm not gonna, you know, an SEC gal going over to to the ACC.
1: But you are you are a very well rounded individual in your coverage. I feel like you cover the Gamecocks, obviously. Um, you covered you've covered things for SEC Network here in Columbia. You're covering the Knights and the White Sox organization. Now, I mean, it, it'll be a good experience to to get the ACC baseball experience even if the SEC is far superior it's still good to see what the other guys are doing I feel well my
0: first ever media day for college football was ACC so like ACC will always have kind of a special place in my heart because they do a lot of stuff in Charlotte so when I was in high school I would do a lot of ACC related things but of course I'm an SEC gal like I am a South Carolina student so I'm always going to favor the sec a little bit but as a journalist you got to try to stay narrow or uh, even keeled and just unbiased
1: well and if everyone really wants to see um the early kendall interview days go on youtube and check out will healy interviews <laughs> from back in the day and you can oh see kendall covering charlotte but um speaking of baseball and and i think y'all we're done with like information if you just don't if you don't want to hear us BS for the next two minutes, then you can go ahead and, and log on off. I think we're done with info. But um, how about the Braves beating, coming back and beating Mike Yuva's Red Sox? I was not going to be able to take it. If, Did you go uh, to
0: Village Idiot?
1: If we, no, I didn't go. But I was not going to be able to take it. I was not going to be able to hear it if we got beat, got swept in two games by the Red Sox because the Red Sox, kind of sucked this year so far like they're not good. The Braves have been very average so far, but I needed that dub so I didn't have to hear Mike. Um I will say this, I feel bad for Jackie Bradley Jr. I don't know if y'all watch the game. I don't know how much of baseball, how much MLB y'all watch, but Jackie is still Jackie is still fully Jackie in the field. Like defensively, he is incredible. Like he is the most natural looking, makes it look so easy.
0: Mm-hmm. He
1: catches He catches difficult balls in the outfield more like easily, like makes it look easier than anybody I feel like I've ever seen. But he has been struggling really bad at the plate. And I I know that's kind of – he's been very up and down at the plate the last, I guess, few years now. So I I felt bad for him um, because that is probably one of the better dudes, more genuine dudes, more talented dudes I think has ever come through South Carolina you know, as far as the baseball program goes, that I'm hoping, like, I truly am hoping that Jackie can sort of find a little new life Mm -hmm. at the plate because um, you could just tell, like, he he struck out on a pitch. I think it was, I don't think it was last night. I think it was the night before. And he just had this look on his face just of, like, utter frustration. And it, like, it, like, hit me in my heart for a moment. Like, I was just like, man, I feel so bad for him because you could tell it was the look of somebody who was just, like, Yeah. Like what is happening?
0: Well, it's really hard, especially when you're internal for a team. And I'll just say this really quick. Like I work for the White Sox organization. I'm internal with the Knights. So I do like team reporting for them and you get to know the players. And when you see like a player, who's a really good person, who's been super, super great to you and really nice and they're struggling it stinks like it's really hard to see that and I like take it a little personally because I'm like I want these players to do well and I want them to be successful and like in a lot of ways I feel that way about South Carolina too when you cover a team and you're with them through the whole season and practices and press conferences and then you know they go out there and they get smacked around by Texas A&M you're like you know, that's tough. You don't want to have to see that. So it is hard. I always do have an internal battle. Uh, because when the White Sox play the Cubs, I am a lifelong Cubs fan. My dad was born in Illinois, we're Northsiders, half my family's Southsiders. Um, so group Cubs fan, but I work for the White Sox. So it's hard because the White Sox just beat the Cubs last week. And everyone's like, Oh, fly the L like, you know, the Cubs are the worst. And there's one little part of me that's like, Oh, the Cubs. And there's another part that's like, I do work for the White Sox, so.
1: They that are signing is, your paycheck. very
0: challenging, very challenging.
1: Yeah. What, and I, I think when the guys get oh. to, especially when they're getting to pro- the professional level too, like you always, you know, I know there's like supposed to be a certain level when you're covering the team directly of being, you know, unbiased and being as neutral as possible and all that stuff. And it is a little bit different being internal, I feel like too, than it is being like external media covering South Carolina versus – working for the white Sox, but you know when these guys get to the pro level it's like we you know we see how hard they work in college and you're seeing how hard those guys work at the minor league level like trying to take that next
0: one step they are so
1: i feel like if you're in triple a it's like you're so close yet so far away it's like Mm -hmm. it's like you can see the mountain but you still have a steep climb ahead. If you're
0: not a prospect, it's like... Yeah, if oh, you're
1: not a dude, not like, how market. many guys, like, there's a lot of, um, like, so obviously the Knights are, are AAA, like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys out there that are, like, what you would call, like, 4A players, some people call it, to where they're very, very good AAA baseball players, but they're just not quite good enough when they take that step, you know, to be in the majors, so it's like you you're so close yet so far away and I feel the same way about the guys when they get drafted like it you know Mm -hmm. they get drafts in the NFL like if you're drafting the sixth or seventh round part of you is like holy cow I have like I'm in the NFL yeah but then it's like the distance between being successful in the NFL and then just being in the league for a year and then you know, they don't, they don't really care about you. Like they're going to, if you perform, you're going to stay. If you don't go, go, your career's over. So I, I always find myself, especially once the guys leave and are trying, like I pull for every single guy I've ever covered at this Mm -hmm. place, because you want to see them be successful Mm -hmm. on the professional side. Like that's what they've worked hard for for so long and been through all the ups and downs. And It can be one, you know, one little variable can be the difference landing in the right place, landing with the right organization, landing with the right coach, twisting your ankle versus not twisting your ankle, you know? So uh, it it is tough. Somebody
0: else who gets hurt, like we see that all the time in baseball. We're constantly getting, you know, people on rehab assignments, people getting sent back to the white Sox, option back to the night. So it's, it's a lot, but it is fun. And, um, for the most part, like the team has been absolutely incredible. Like I haven't had, like everybody who I've dealt with on the nights has been awesome. So I'm super grateful for that. Um, and it's been an awesome opportunity. So if anyone is ever in Charlotte and you're at a nights game, let me know. I will three definitely-
1: tickets from Kendall. <laughs>
0: I'll definitely come say hi. Um, but yeah, I think that does it, Wes. We talked about a lot today. It was a successful edition of GC Live. And we I, I want
1: to give one shout out real quick, yeah. Kendall. Um, I don't know if we talked about this last week or not when we did the show. Shout out to my man, Pharaoh Cooper, coming back. Speaking of professional gamecocks, coming back to South Carolina, getting his degree. You know, he, uh, He took advantage. There's a, there's a system in place. If you leave early to go to the NFL Mm -hmm. or whatever, you can come back and complete your degree. And Pharaoh, one of the just most genuine nicest down to earth dudes I ever met going all the way back to when he was a junior in high school was the same guy when he was in high school, same guy in college, same guy in the NFL. He stuck around the league for a little while. Um, I don't know if he's going to have any opportunities moving forward in the league. We'll find out this year, but really cool moment for him and his mom and his family for him to come back and get his degree. He, um, he actually walked uh, this past week. And uh, so shout out to Pharaoh, Um have luck North Carolina grad coming back and getting his degree and uh really cool moment for him and his family. But yeah, it was, it was Let's a fun show. There. Kendall appreciate you hopping on as always. Um, we'll do it again. Okay.
0: Yes, we will do it again. Thank you all so much for watching. Follow us on social media. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Turn on the notification bell. Head over to GamecockCentral.com. Subscribe over there. And check out our articles. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Have a wonderful Thursday. I'm Kendall Smith. He's Wes Mitchell. And we will see y'all soon. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. laundry? Ooh, a book club.